Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't yet joined our wonderful Flywheel Nation community, go to flywheelnation.com and join in the podcast conversations. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. have to define what success looks like. I got stuck early in my career comparing myself to others. And still today, we all have that comparison trap. Why am I not this person? Or why haven't I accomplished this? They did that. Why am I only doing this? What I had to realize was I had to compare myself to Casey 12 months Hmm. ago versus so-and-so today. Because I've been given different skill sets and different tools and different resources and put in different situations than other people. I just need to figure out who am I, what do I want, and surround myself with other people and really just be consistent in taking massive action that will help me get to where I want to go. And I think that's where people get stuck is they don't know where they want to go, so they're doing a bunch of things. But once you know where you want to go, then you can do the things that really matter And if you can focus on just you and your efforts and not worry about all the other noise and all the other outside voices and all the other people that are doing big things and just pick one lane, stay focused and make it happen, you'll be in really good shape. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited today to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast all the way from Atlanta in Georgia, the USA, of course, Casey Cavell, who's an entrepreneur and a purpose-driven leader who helps entrepreneurs, other entrepreneurs, get out of their daily grind and regain control to focus on what really matters. So welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, Casey. It's a real privilege to have you on as my guest. Likewise, Jürgen. Good to be here. Now, one of the things that I, I'm really fascinated by, you're also host of this uh, Dugout CEO podcast, and I like the name Dugout, which kind of reflects, I'm guessing, the um, digging out of the hole that, that sometimes we find ourselves in as entrepreneurs because we're stuck in the minutiae and we can't see the big picture and we can't make time for the really important things that actually move the needle. So I'm really keen to explore all those things with you today. But before we do that, what's the impact you're making in the world today, Casey? Gosh, I'm just trying to help other people figure out what they really want <laughs> and empower them on how to make it happen. Yeah, that sounds fascinating. So what, what are some of the things you do in making that transformation? Or in- yeah, really, I think just a lot of people just aren't really clear of what does success look like and what do they want and why do they really want it? I think a lot of people, myself included, built businesses um, because of, I don't know if it's like not the right reason, but I built businesses because that's what the world told me to do. Yeah. And I like people that 
you know, they don't let others tell them what to do. They want to tell others, Hey, this is who I am. This is what I want to do. And this is what I'm going to do. And I need other people to help me make it happen. So that's really it is. I think a lot of people there, whether they're a CEO or an entrepreneur or a nine to five kind of W two employee, like I empower other people to figure out what they really want, help them develop a really good plan and to surround them with selves with people who can help them make that happen. Mm, Yeah. I love it. And, uh, I've been having lots of conversations and listening in on lots of presentations recently around the idea of what is what does success really mean to you? And and as you alluded there, we we kind of start this entrepreneurial journey and we believe, okay, we've got to make a lot of money, we've got to grow the business, we've got to do these things, we've got to um, be recognized by our peers and all the traditional things which often um, people get quite frustrated because some or all of that doesn't necessarily happen the way they do. And yet when you take a step back and reflect on, well, what, what have you learnt? What have you achieved? What have you actually achieved beyond all those things? Um, and you say, okay, I'm actually quite successful. Um, and, and I'm happy with that success. And when people get to that stage, that's when changes start to happen, isn't it? It's, it's so true. And I think that's where you just have to define what success looks like. And for me, I got stuck early in my career comparing myself to others. And still today, we all have that comparison trap kind of thing where we're, why am I not this person? Or why haven't I accomplished this? They did that. Why am I only doing this? And what I had to realize was I had to compare myself to Casey 12 months ago mm. versus so-and-so today. Because I've been given different skill sets and different tools and different resources and put in different situations than other people. So for me, I just need to figure out who am I, what do I want and surround myself with other people and really just be consistent in taking massive action that will help me get to where I want to go. And I think that's where people get stuck is they don't know where they want to go. So they're doing a bunch of things, but once you know where you want to go, then you can do the things that really matter. And if you can focus on just you and your efforts and not worry about all the other noise and all the other outside voices and all the other people that are doing big things and just pick one lane, stay focused and make it happen, you'll be in really good shape. So how did Casey make that transition and say, well, let's start by focusing on what I want to do rather than compare myself to these other people? I think it just became exhausting. Um, (laughs) You know, I built several businesses and had a lot of wins early in my business career. I started my first company in my early 20s and, you know, had a couple of nice exits in my late 20s. And then in my 30s, I became burnt out because I was trying to be what other people said I should be and do what other people said I should do. And it was more, more and more, right? It was whatever I had, I had to get more of that. Whatever good I did, I had to do more of that. And that's just exhausting because more will never fill your appetite. Mm. It leaves you hungrier for more. And it just made me restless of, all right, great. We did this. Then what? I remember winning an award and the next day I woke up and I'm like, all right, got to win it again. Okay. Well, I won that award. Well, that's the other five awards I need to win. And I think a lot of people, whether you're an athlete or an entrepreneur or whatever, like you're always wanting that next thing and you're never totally satisfied. So for me, I had to figure out, all right, what do I really want to do? What does an ideal life look like? And then I had to start building a business that got me my ideal life. And I think that's where a lot of people get it wrong is they have a business, but they don't know what their business is ultimately supposed to do. 
because they haven't defined what success looks like for their life. So for me, I had to start with what type of life I want to live. How much do I want to work? What type of work do I want to do? Where do I want to live? How much time do I want to spend with my kids and my wife? And what does a perfect day look like for me? And then I had to build a business that allowed me to do more of those things. Yeah, I love that. Um, there's so much there that I think adds a huge amount of value to people if they go through that kind of exercise. Um, we we do one that basically goes down to the level of detail of what's your ideal day? What time do you get up? Um, what do you do first thing? You know, What do you hear? What do you see? What do you smell? Those kind of things. And when people get really clear on um, this is what I like to do, and often that's difficult when you do it abstractly, but if you go back and say, well, think of a day where everything was just absolutely perfect. Now describe that day. Would you like more of those days? Well, yes, obviously. So, okay, let's define that as an ideal day. Now, how does a business, how do you build a business to allow you to live that most of the time? Yeah. yeah and, and also I don't always like to look at the negative, but I look at the days where it's like, all right, which days this week did you not like? Yeah. Which days were your worst? Why? And what I find, Jurgen, is typically that you're doing stuff that you don't like to do mm. or you're not good at it. And I think that's where a lot of business owners, you know, I help business owners get their time back because I think that's the most important thing you need is time. So we got to first realize where do you spend your time? Are you spending your time on things that you don't like to do? Mm. A lot of time, yes, entrepreneurs spend a lot of their time on things they don't like to do, but they're good at it. The goal is to figure out, okay, those things that you're great at and you love, you should be spending 70% of your time there. Now, early on in a startup business or a business in growth, right, you're going to be doing a lot of things that you might not want, but you have to do, but you're good at it. And then what I try to do is every quarter, I look at my priority list and I say, all right, of a 40 hour work week or 50 or whatever, which seems kind of light in the world of running your own business. Yeah. How many hours am I spending doing those things that I don't want to do anymore that I can find somebody else on my team or hire somebody else to delegate that to. And then all of a sudden I just got 10 hours a week back. Hmm. What do I do with those 10 hours? I can do whatever I want. I can go golf and go hang out with my kids. I can go use that time to go build my business, create new partnerships, do whatever that looks like that really like makes a dent and moves the needle in the right direction. And I think that's where a lot of business owners, they have to slow down before they speed up, slow down, make a list of those things that you're doing that you don't want to do 90 days from now, and then figure out who else can do them. And then make sure you're spending the time on the things that only you can do for your business. Hmm. Yeah, that's great advice. One of the things I found, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, when I started delegating things and bringing people on board in the team, delegating those things, and I went through very much the process you've described, okay, um, I'm good at this, but I don't enjoy doing it. So I can write the process, I can train somebody else how to do it the way I do it, which is a good way. And that that was all fine. And then all of a sudden, I had some more time on my hands. Uh, but I fell into this trap of Okay, while this other, while these other people are doing these things for me, uh, I've got to be working. Rather, so I, I didn't. I still now forty or fifty hours a week. That wasn't what I was doing. I was doing 70, 80, 90, 100 hours a week, um, and I felt 
as uh, no, I can't take time off. So my passion is cycling and photography. I can't take time off to to pursue those passions um, because I've got a team working, so I'm going to have to work. So what are your thoughts on overcoming that kind of mindset of I've still got to work, so I sort of find something else to do in, in my business? You know, I've heard people that say, hey, I hate the word balance because it's hard. Yeah. Um, but ultimately I think that's what we're trying to go for. Mm. And, you know, I don't know why you would feel compelled. I think everybody has, you know, these other motivations, some good, some not so good. Um, maybe it is, Hey, I feel like I have to work because if I'm not working and my team's working, they might not think I care about them, or they might not think I'm the hardest worker in the, in the team or whatever. So I think that's a fear, right? That, Hey, if I'm not working, they're going to quit because I should be the first one in and the last one out. And I think there is something for that. You should be the first one in and the last one out maybe, but maybe not all the time, because if you're the first one in and the last one out, like that's, you're giving up something to do that. And I think, hmm. you know, if you're scared that you might not be the hardest worker, like that's okay. Like you want to work smart anyway. Don't be the first one in the last one out. Be the one that puts in the least amount of time that gets the most results. Hmm. And if you have other team members that are busting their butt, just tell them, thank you, reward them, incentivize them, praise them, share the success that they're creating for you with them. So yeah, I think it is hard what you fill that time with when you're able to get time back. That's your decision. If you want to work great, if you want to, and it's fun and it's enjoyable, do it. But I think everybody needs relationships. So whatever it is you do, don't just focus on getting stuff done, focus on being with people because that's at the end of the day, how we get stuff done anyway, through hmm. others. So if you can spend time on relationships, deep connection with others, something socially, that's just not work related, have some time to recharge your batteries. Like I kind of get bored Sunday afternoon, evening, I'm like ready for Monday to come around. So I'm in the same boat as you. Hmm. Yeah. And you touched on something that that's very important to me there also is the this idea of relationships and um, it's, I mean, sometimes we talk a lot about you need to build relationships with your suppliers, with your partners, with your customers uh, to go forward. But then, you know, looking at that balance equation that you mentioned, we've got to think about what about the relationships, the personal relationships in our lives that are outside of the business sphere and finding time to really make sure that we spend time on those and, and really develop those and grow those relationships is important, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I was, so as we're recording this at September and, you know, something in, you know, gosh, that kind of hit me the other day. So it was the anniversary of nine 11, you mm -hmm. know, one of the worst days in American history. And there was a story about this gentleman that, um, you know, basically spent his last hour saving everybody and, you know, he sacrificed his life for others. And I thought that was interesting because it got me thinking like, what would I do with my last hour of life? You know, this gentleman sac sacrificed himself for others. I think he called his mom, called his dad and hmm. let him know what was happening. And then he went back into the twin towers and started helping people escape. And I don't know what you would do, Jurgen. 
I know what I would do. It probably wouldn't be write up another business proposal. It probably wouldn't be follow up with my emails or it probably wouldn't be to message somebody on social media. It might be pick up the phone and call somebody and tell them I love them. Mm -hmm. It might be, I want to go throw the ball out in the yard with my son. It might be, you know, so I think that's it is there's probably not a lot of people at the end of the day that says, man, I wish I would have started that one extra business. Mm I, I wish I would have gotten it from 10 million in revenue to 13 million because I'd be better off. Because at the end of the day, you're going to leave your money to people that probably aren't nearly as hardworking as you. They're not going to care as much, right? So unless you do a really good job of mentoring <laughs> your children or leaving it to employees, like it's just it's just all vapor, right? It's all stuff to do. So I think you have to really realize like, why are you doing what you're doing and have that balance and building businesses are amazing things. But it's, I think the things that a business can do for people is what's really amazing about it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to reflect on things. What would you do in the last hour of your life? Um, let's kind of switch. Well, not switch. Let's dig deeper a little bit on, on the mechanics and how do you what are some of the steps you say to uh, an entrepreneur that's kind of in this stage of I'm, I'm too busy, I don't have time to do X, Y, Z, and I wish I had more time for my family or for my hobbies or whatever it may be. So what, what are the first steps you recommend they do? I think you first have to, you, you have to first identify that you have a problem hmm. and then it's, well, what are you doing to fix it? And if they don't have something written down on paper with very smart or specific goals with timelines, like just realize like you can't just know you have a problem and say, I'm going to fix it without a real plan and a real person to help you with that plan. You know, it's, it's like an alcoholic saying, Hey, I have a drinking problem. That's, that's great. But what's your plan to fix it? Hmm. Who's your team to help you fix it? Right. And if you don't have that, it's going to be hard. But I think the first thing is admitting it. The second thing is sharing it with somebody else you trust. And the third thing is getting something on paper that gives you a very actionable plan of how are you going to get your life back? How are you going to get out of the business? How are you going to get some time back? How are you going to solve these big issues that keep plaguing you? Hmm. Yeah. And I love that you said kind of speak to somebody you trust about it because the moment you start to articulate it and and particularly if it's somebody you trust and somebody that really listens and explores okay what do you mean by that or or how would you like it to if this is bad how would you like it to be those kind of questions um, can help you really get much more clarity around it as well that's the best thing that I've done in my life is sharing my hopes my dreams my fears my issues with people that I trust and you got to be careful who you share that with. But if you have a good group of people around you that you look up to, you admire, then that's a great way to uh, get started. Hmm. Yeah, wonderful. All right. Well, um, we talked a little bit about some of the big issues uh, that business owners face. Um, what? How do you see, um, yeah, like the idea of removing themselves from the business. One of the challenges I think for most business owners is letting go of some things. How do you, yeah. so we get to the point of, okay, I want more time. Here's my plan. Uh, but oh, I can't let go of that. How do you address that kind of feeling mindset? 
Yeah. So let me share two quick stories. First is I owned a bunch of self-storage facilities and moving companies in the States. And I was really good at finding new deals, negotiating deals, getting deals closed and getting them kind of fixed up, right? Like walking in and that's what I do now. I go into businesses where the owner's not happy. The business isn't reaching its fullest potential. And I go in there and I do like a 90 day like intensive. But then after the 90 days, I've kind of fixed the issues and now it's just maintain it. So when I bought these storage facilities, I did that. I went in, I bought them, turned them around. 90 days later, I didn't leave. I didn't hand them to somebody else to say, all right, now you take care of this asset. What I did was I said, hey, all right, great. We got it at 95% occupancy. Now we got to get to 97% occupancy and we have got to raise the rates and we have got to do X, Y, and Z where what I should have done it's just allowed somebody else to manage that business and then go and found another business to buy and do the exact same thing. And even if that business went from 95% productivity and efficiency to 90, I'm finding another business that I bought at 70% and then I got it to 90%. And I kept trying to like make everything perfect and everybody perfect that I burnt myself out. And although those businesses were super profitable, I did well, like I just realize that, you know what, trying to take it from a 90 to a 95 out of a hundred, I'm better finding something else and taking it from 70 to 90 mm. and making that 90 and put it in the hands of people I know, like, and trust and just make sure they don't do anything crazy with it. And I failed to do that. So I would say those of you that can't let go, let go of what? Nobody's going to do it as good as you in certain aspects of the business. And that's okay. You got to be okay with that. People are like, oh, they don't care as much as me. I wish they thought like an owner. They're not going to think like an owner because if they thought like an owner, they would be an owner. Like that just is what it is. You got to create a system that allows other people to come in and run the system. So don't try to duplicate yourself, like duplicate your knowledge and systems. So that's what I would say is, you know what? It's okay if not everything's going to get done the way you want it done, when you want it done and how you want it done. The goal is that the majority of it gets done and you have a good business. And then go and spend your time doing other things. Mm. If you want to take it from a 90 to a hundred, go for it, do it. Hey, I've tried that and you burn out yeah. and you miss other opportunities. That's right. I, I think it's the opportunity cost. And I mean, if you, you take your maths there, um, taking one, assuming it's the same size business, taking one from 90 to 95 versus yeah. the next one from 70 to 90, um, th yeah. there's more value in the latter. Same thing. And I had the same thing with our baseball academies. I owned a bunch of indoor state-of-the-art training complexes. And I was so worried about, you know, all the different stuff that had to get done every day. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I should have just been okay with them doing a good job and went and started four or five more, which I eventually did, but it wasn't after two or three years of perfecting one location when I could have probably got to five locations and you know, a third of the time, if I realized, you know what, I shouldn't be in everybody's business. I needed to be in enough people's business. So I had a good idea of how well my business was doing. And that's what I help owners with now. It's like, you got to get a, an idea or a dashboard of how well your people are doing. And I think why people can't let go, Jurgen, is they don't know how well people are doing. Mm -hmm. They don't know how well the business is. So you have to get some good numbers and KPIs and reporting from your people and your team. So you know who your all-stars are, you know who your, 
B players are and you know who play, who's not doing a good job and what's working and what's not working. So I think that's a big reason why I couldn't let go. But once I had that data, it allowed me to kind of let go. Hmm. Yeah. And and also, I, for me, that's kind of one of the fun parts as well. When you start to see, okay, there's a system there and you've got measurements in place to tell you where the system is breaking down, where the people are struggling perhaps, um, where the gaps are, and to then go in and say, well, okay, maybe we can take it from 90 to 95. I'll let somebody else do that. But we've got the dashboard that says, here's here's the opportunities for improving this further. That's it. Hmm. Yep. That's it. And if you put that in place, I think you'll be uh, surprised of how easy it will be to let go. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about systems and processes. You sort of touched on that briefly um, a few moments ago. How do you go about um, documenting those really well and particularly in a way that uh, other people can follow them and also will follow them? They're motivated to actually yep. do it and and not just do them, but also look at them from the point of view of, hey, we can improve on this. So I, I like to first start with making sure everybody in the organization is clear on what their role is and what success looks like. So I have a tool called the vision map where I basically answer four questions about everybody's job. The first question is what must be true when the job is done well? I want everybody in the organization to write that out for their specific role. Hmm. All right. I'm hired to be the head of operation. What must be true when the job is done well? I want to write it out. The next question is what does a job well done look like? right? Like you got to figure out both of those things and they're kind of similar. And then the next question is what impact is this going to have? So what does a job well done look like? And what is the impact this is going to have? Because I want everybody to see how what they do impacts everybody else. And if you understand, Hey, by me doing this, it's going to improve this. And by that being improved, it's going to impact our customer. And then the next thing is, what do you want to actually achieve? And that's all about KPIs and measurements and all, data and all of that. So if you can be really true, really clear on what must be true when the job is done well for my role, what impact it's going to have in the organization, and have some clear KPIs. For me, like that's the first system you need. Hmm. Clarity on who's your team, what do they do, and how do you know they're doing a good job? And if you're able to answer those kind of questions, I think you can then figure out all right, the nitty gritty of, okay, if this is what I ultimately want to achieve, what system or process do I need to be put in place to make this thing happen? Mm, yeah, I love that. Um, I love the starting off with what success looks like, what what has to be true for me to have done a good job. Yeah. And I'm guessing yeah. you, and those, uh, your, well, do you have those visible for other members of the team? Yeah, we fill it out. We have everybody fill it out. So I'm starting with a, a client uh, next week. And the very first thing we do is we look at how their organization is structured. What are all the positions that you have as a company? Okay. And then what does success look like for each of those positions? And that's where we start. Mm. And then we can start figuring out, all right, is the team trained on how to make that happen? Is the person that's in charge of that the right person to make it happen? Um, and I find often, and this happened in my company, I had a high pay consultant come in. I'm like, well, you're charging me what? And I'm like, all right, 
well, I'm stuck right now and I need help. So I'll give it a shot. And they came in for a day and they locked me into a room. And then they locked a couple of my other key direct reports into another room. And he asked me, Hey, what does success look like for this person's job? And I, I, I told him never had it written down before, but I just mm-hmm. told him. And then they went and asked that person, our answers weren't even close to being accurate. Yeah. Like they thought one thing was success. And I thought the other, no wonder why we didn't like working with each other. <laughs> Cause I was holding them to an expectation that they didn't even know I was holding them to. Mm. And then they thought they were doing a good job, but I was always like, no, you're not. And then when we finally aligned on, all right, what does success look like? How are we measuring it? Then we actually came together and built a super solid business. And I'm thankful that I learned that early in my career. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, the alignment thing is is really important, isn't it? And do do you start that process with the business owner? Absolutely. Yeah. So business owner figure out what says this is my job. This is what success looks like for me, and everybody else. Well, oh, okay. Well, it's crazy because I actually tell the business owner you're fired. <laughs> I go, I want you first to realize you don't even work for this business. I first want to understand what are all the roles and responsibilities that need to get done. We'll worry about the people later, right? I mean, imagine trying to like, you have all of these people in a company and you're just, a lot of companies just give out jobs. Hey, I have this person. They're good at that. Okay. You go do that. What I want to first do is figure out what really needs to be done. What are the most important things that need to be done in this company? Because 20% 20% of your people there are actually producing 80% of your result. Hmm. So you got to figure out, all right, what's the 20% of the stuff that needs done? What's the right structure in your company to get that done? Then you can define what success looks like. Then you can actually go and hire people for those jobs. So when I go into an organization, I'll tell the owner, I want to figure out what needs to be done, then figure out what success looks like, and then figure out who's doing what. And then we can start putting people in seats. So yeah, so you basically fire the the uh, business owner and and go back and look at what jobs really need to be done, and and then look at who are the right people to do that job. Um, in terms of a business that's already established and may not have, well, they've got stuff in place. How do you start off? that process, because obviously there's a triage step before that, I think, to keep the business going and then do that analysis. Yeah. I mean, things just kind of keep going on and people keep doing what they've been doing until you can kind of roll that out. And you got to be delicate because you're messing with people's jobs and you're messing with people's lives. Right. But look at what Elon just did with Twitter. I think he just (laughs) got rid of a lot of employees because he realized the 2080 rule like is a real thing. 20% of your people produce 80% of your results. 20% of your people give you 80% Mm. of your headaches. So he just got rid of a lot of the people that weren't doing like things. And I think a lot of companies, as they get bigger, you can kind of hide bad talent in a big organization, but you can't hide in a small organization. A lot of the companies I work with are under 10 million in revenue, under 50 employees. You can't afford to have people that aren't great at their job. So yeah, you build this out. You figure out what positions need to be filled, and then you start researching and looking at who are your A players, who is good at that role. And then all of a sudden, you might come up with, hey, so-and-so doesn't have a seat. And then it's a tough conversation of, all right, well, what do we do? And if you're having somebody in your organization that doesn't have a seat, 
like you got to free them up to go find another opportunity because their maximum, you know, potential is not going to be fulfilled at that company. You got to free them up for something else. Hmm. Um, and a lot of people just create new jobs for people because they have people there and they're scared, but that's not fair to the company or the person. Yeah. Yeah. And it's great. That's a great reframe as well, isn't it? Because I know I've been in a position many times where I've had to let people go for various reasons and you always feel really bad about it. And yet you can reframe it and say, well, it's not a good fit or they're not in the right role. They're not in the right job. They're not in the right company. So you're actually doing them a favor by freeing them up to pursue a good fit and pursue an opportunity that gives them um, growth and fulfillment. That's it. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, one of the things that just occurred to me in talking about this 80-20 rule and efficiencies and people in the right job, and I know you're um, you're into this a little bit as well as the, the, the whole AI scene that's um, really exploding yeah. as we speak. And uh, one of the things I was curious about um, is how does AI fit into what you're doing and into this whole idea of we can develop systems and processes that leverage AI in, in a way that benefits all of us. Yeah, I think we're just starting to learn what it can do. Um, you know, I use it often. I use chat GPT, right? I use it today on writing some copy for a company and uh, gosh, I've used it for all kinds of different things. So it's kind of like the internet, you know, in the 90s, it's yeah. going to change the way we do life and those that learn it and take the time to understand it, you can figure out ways to save you time and energy and save money. I don't know all those answers. I, I have not said, Hey, all right, I need to take a week and just really understand this stuff. I'm kind of learning through osmosis and trying it, but yeah, I mean, I think download some of the tools and just try it out and go on YouTube and watch some videos of how AI can save you time how AI can make your life easier and just start learning and be a student of the game. And then when you do, then start applying it. And, you know, I use it, uh, I think, you know, every day for something. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you touched on something there that, that I've mentioned a lot to people who are maybe skeptical, maybe sort of standing back a little bit. Let's just see how this pans out. And that's that remember the early days of the internet in the 1990s and remember how this was and how that happened um, this is very much like those days. And it, it, a lot of it reminds me of those very early days when I sort of got involved in the internet and I, my immediate reaction was, wow, this is so fantastic. There's so much you can do here. But then at the same time, frustrations at um, at the limitations that were in place early on um, and, and that contrast between, I think you could do all these things, but then no, you can't yet and yep. it reminds me very much of those days and feeling really excited about what's possible but then at the same time those frustrations which often lead people to say well I'm just going to leave that and not worry about it yeah I've experienced this uh researching you know blockchain technology and cryptocurrency I I don't have a doubt that that's going to change the world right blockchain technology, if anybody's familiar with that, or cryptocurrencies, it's just we're so early mm. and the government doesn't know how to use it. And you don't just want to give up on it because it's coming, but it's also painful. 
Um, and there's also a lot of bad actors out there, just like the internet. Hmm. And 99% of these businesses will go to zero. It's just the way it works. And people get these bad tastes in their mouth because of one bad experience. But you know, you don't you don't give up, right? If you believe in the way the world is turning, like technology is going to rule the way we do life. Now, I like to use technology to make my life easier and simpler and get more done in less time so I can spend yep. more time doing real things with real people. <laughs> I don't love sitting behind a computer screen. I love being outside and having relationships with people because I do think technology can be bad, um, just like anything can be bad. Any Even a good thing, too much of it can be bad. So I think research it, stay connected, stay plugged in. Um, play the long game in life and uh, you're going to be okay. Mm, yeah. And, and there's a really important message in there that you've shared too, which is use it to free up time to do the things that you really care about and particularly to have more human interactions with others. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is fabulous, Casey. I, we could go on talking processes and systems and businesses and making businesses more efficient and putting people in the right roles for ages, but I'm aware of the time, so I think it's a good point now to transition to the buzz, which is our innovation round, the same five questions I ask of every guest. And the idea is you'll give us some really insightful answers, inspire the listener to go and do something awesome today as a result. Great. You ready? I'm ready. Okay, so uh, what's the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Think. Take time and sit there and grab a piece of paper and a pen and just think. Yeah, bit of self-reflection. <laughs> mm -hmm. hmm. Coming back to what you said earlier in the business of get real clarity on what is it that I really want um, out of life and out of my business and how does my business support my life that's it mm, excellent all right what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas probably the same thing think um and then i think just talk with open-minded people um and just share ideas thoughts challenges problems so i, I think think and then have maybe like a think tank with other like-minded people that uh, you can be open and honest with and they can do the same for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. And that comes back to the relationships that we've been talking about, right? So it's it's um, yeah. there's a lot of value in those relationships and also the idea of articulating something like that to another person even before they respond can contribute and build out on the ideas or the, the thoughts. And then, of course, the interactions will add more to that. Yeah. Okay. Do you have a favorite resource you use most often? A favorite resource? I have a, you know, a software that I use that helps me manage just all the stuff that I need to get done. Um, it's called 90.io, and it's really has just the short-term and long-term goals and values of the companies that I help manage and run and own. So I use that every day because it allows me 
uh, or at least each week to make sure that every business that I'm helping and serving, they're keeping the main thing, the main thing. Hmm. So I think that is what I use to make sure I get rid of the 80% of the stuff that doesn't really matter. So I can focus on the 20% of the stuff that really does. And it just helps me make sure like I don't forget about the things that really um, must and have to get done. Okay. I'll have to check that out. I'm not familiar with that one. So 90.io. All right. Well, um, that might, that's actually a, a really good transition into the next question, which is how do you, uh, what's the best way to keep a project on track? Yeah. So I think the way that I try to look at it, uh, it's a thing called compartmentalizing, right? And it all talks about how a business, you have this 10 year goal, like what's the dream? What do you want to create one day? <laughs> but then you got to work backwards 10 years. Okay, great. Three years, because you know, if you hit the three-year goal, the 10-year goal is going to be on track hmm. and then, all right, well, if I have a three-year goal, what must we do in the next year to make sure that three-year goal happens? And then you got to get down to the real nitty gritty, which is, all right, if I have really clear business goals a year from now, they're written down on paper, they're smart, they're attainable, they're very specific. What needs to happen in the next 90 days? Mm -hmm. And that is where I help get really clear. And there's a thing out there called rocks. Uh, Stephen Covey came up mm -hmm. with it, right? Yeah, love And that. it's like the big rocks, you've, if you're familiar with that. Yep. And it's all about the big things that you must do to keep that long-term thing happen. And everybody should have three to seven or so per quarter, per company or per individual. And if you can keep those things on track, everything else will be good. And then every week you should look at that thing that you said you were going to get done and ask yourself, am I on track to get it done? Am I not on track to get it done? And if you're able to honestly say that, you can figure out each week, what must you do each week to keep that kind of rock on track. And if that thing gets done, everything else will turn out just fine. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's a, a fantastic framework. And we use uh, pretty much a variant of that all the time. And uh, as you say, if you focus on the big things um, and keep the weekly focus on on those as well, it uh, pretty much keeps the train moving on the tracks. That's it. Mm. All right. Well, final question of the buzz round. What's the number one thing anyone needs to do to differentiate themselves? I like to have people answer the question, Hi, my name's Casey. I help. Who do I help? I help them do what? What do you help them do? So that, so that what result are you going to help them get? Hmm. So answer this question. I help who do what? So that what results going to happen? If you can answer that for your business or you individually, you'll be in really good shape. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And it's a, it's also a great, um, great statement then when you have a conversation and people say, well, what do you do? Um, what's your business about? Because then you're talking about who you help and how you transform them, which is kind of a lot more than, oh, I'm just a podcaster, for example. That's it. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, thanks, Casey. This has been absolutely fabulous. Now, where can people reach out to you, find out more about you and your business and maybe even reach out and say thanks for what you've shared today. Yeah, sure thing. So just caseycavell.com. Real simple. I got a website. I got a free guide on there for business owners as well on how to get out of the day-to-day -day operations of the business. I have a newsletter uh, I send out every Friday called Focus Friday. 
Uh, for me, it's all about focus. So mm-hmm. every Friday I send that newsletter out first thing in the morning. And then I have a podcast. Uh, it's called The Dugout CEO. You mentioned it earlier. Uh, it's got a little bit of a baseball theme to it, but it's all about life and leadership and helping people become MVPs at what they do. And we've had Major League Baseball All-Stars, Hall of Fame baseball coaches. We've had church pastors, CEOs, I mean, business leaders. I mean, the guests have been you know uh, amazing. And I just love learning from other people on how to win, not only in the boardroom, but at home as well. So um, that's it. And everything is at kccavell.com. Excellent. We'll have that link in the show notes, of course. And we didn't even touch on podcasting because you sort of hinted there at uh, loving loving learning. And um, I'm curious to know, but it's probably another episode of um, how the podcasters contribute to all of that. Sure. Yeah. I, I just love learning. I'm a lifelong learner. And any time I can get on with people like you and just learn and ask questions, like I'm taking notes of what you're teaching me and, you know, I'm like, all right, if I can just do what I say I'm talking about right now, I think we're in good shape. But then I'm like, that's why I have a coach. That's why I have people helping me apply these principles because the application of this stuff is the hardest thing. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, as we wrap it up, Casey, um, what action would you like our listeners to take out of our conversation today? Maybe just write down one thing that you learn and then take action on it. That's it. I mean, I don't know how long we've been going here, 30 minutes or whatever it is. It's like, what's the one big thing that you heard today that you can actually take action on that will make your life better and just go and do it? Mm, yeah, I love it. And uh, I, I'm very strong about um, people listening to a podcast, whether it's mine or yours or, or any other podcast, but actually taking something away from that, learning something from that, and then applying what they've learned. So that's that's the reason for the question. So yeah, pick something that you've learned today and take action on it. Yes, sir. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much for sharing your time and your insights with us so generously today, Casey. I've really enjoyed our conversation, had a lot of fun, learned quite a bit as well. Um, and I wish you all the best for the future and please do stay in touch. Will do. Thanks, Jurgen. Thanks for listening. We'd love you to leave a review on this episode. It will help us to make the podcast better for you. Simply go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz and pick your preferred platform. Remember to visit innovabiz.co forward slash Flyworld and secure your membership to the exclusive Flywheel Nation community where you'll enjoy direct access to our incredible podcast guests, engaging meaningful conversations and participate in connection events designed to elevate your business journey. Don't miss out. Join Flywell Nation today. Tune in again to the next episodes of the Innova Buzz podcast where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from Innova Biz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.